0: Don't record on Chavon's work cloud account. <laughs> it gets sent automatically to her mentor. <laughs> Ooh, actually, I quite like the film Constitute. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Constantine. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. Go. I'm Dave. And just like Constantine, Heaven Won't Take Us, which, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know is probably an understatement. Now, this week's film on trial is the 2005 action fantasy Constantine. Is it John Constantine, Demon Hunter, or is it David Dickinson? Bargain hunter. (laughs) 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 It's the way you laughed heartiest at your own. (laughs) uh, To be honest, I'd be more afraid of being possessed by David Dickinson than than a real demon, to be honest. Your mother's jazz hands in hell, (laughs) Karis. I imagine it'd be much, much easier to trap him in a mirror as well. Let me me take a closer look at that. So it's not cheap as chips, that one. (laughs) Anyway, sorry if you're one of our American listeners or anybody outside of the UK who didn't watch bbc daytime tv in the mid noughties then you've got no idea what the hell we're talking <laughs> about anyway essentially we want to try and find out if this is going to end up on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list essentially is it good or bad let's find out now just to say this would be a very spoilerific episode so if you haven't seen constantine check it out It's free if you've got an Amazon Prime account. If you haven't, it's about £3.50 to rent, or I can lend you my copy. Uh, Or or you can just listen to this episode after you watch the film, or you can just trust our judgments. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to us by Joel, which will start at around the 45-minute mark, I reckon. I should have checked You can't beforehand. say that
1: every single episode. It's, <laughs> it's, well, it getting, it's getting boring it, now. At yeah, least, you know, say, it's... 40 second minute mark. Or... <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's, it might be boring, but it's
0: true. And sometimes the truth is boring. Right. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Always Be My Maybe. Now, Dave judged that trial and deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. He's since gone away and watched the film. So did he make the right call, Dave.
2: Yes, I think I did. Um, I actually quite enjoyed it. I really liked it. I understood fully what Alex was saying, though. When he says it's it's quite forgettable, you know, it's not a rom-com you're going to revisit. It's not going to work its way into a list of classics anytime soon. It is quite forgettable. It could have stood to have been a little bit funnier as well. But I don't understand why Austin hated it as much as he did. I think I'm I'm more on uh, Joel's side on this. Where he says it just edges onto the hit list and it does. It was enjoyable. I loved the two leads. You know, one of the big things you need in a romantic comedy is you've got to like the two leads. You've got to be get behind them. You gotta want them to get together. And you do. They're really likable, you know, really good actors. I liked it. I thought it was a nice, pleasant watch. Uh perfectly enjoyable. Yeah. Did, just just edging onto the hit list.
3: Did you like that cameo by Keanu Reeves? I really did.
2: I really did like that cameo by Keanu Reeves. I liked
3: that. I'm hoping that comment will come back to haunt you later on in this episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't remember. I felt it was just enough, Keanu No, Dave, to, no, Dave, like, Dave. A minute more, Don't a minute qualify. more, and it might have become tiresome. Don't qualify.
0: <laughs> right, okay, thank you very much for that, Dave. Very eloquent, as usual. Uh, now, on to the bulk of the show. This week's film was picked out of the hat at random, and it was nominated to us by long-time listener DJ Robbo who says, Keanu Reeves and lots of explosions. What more could you possibly want? Well, let's find out, DJ Robbo. Now, all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So, acted in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Joel and Alex. Now, Joel is a bit like Keanu Reeves' John Constantine. Unemotive, and he loves explosions. Uh, And Alex is... (laughs) It's just like Pruitt Taylor-Vince's character, Father Hennessy. (laughs) Why do you think that might be, Alex? Catholic, fat. (laughs) Uh, No, I was going to say that you've got a drinking problem. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is you just can't get enough. Now, (laughs) acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be me and Dave. I'm a bit like Tilda Swinton's character, Gabriel. Very limmy arrogant and I've got a shit haircut. (laughs) And Dave is just like Shia LaBeouf's character, Chaz Kramer. No matter how helpful and nice he might be, people will always still find him annoying. (laughs) Just like real court advocates, the defence and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their genuine thoughts. Which means this week Ozzy will be playing the judge. Ozzy is a little bit like Peter Stormare's character, Satan. Even when he's wearing an incredibly fine suit, he still looks like a deranged oddball. <laughs> uh, now... Uh, what I would say here is that it's up to Ozzy to decide which list the film should be placed on hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion however he has not turned up to the recording <laughs> <laughs>
1: don't know where he is we all get worried
2: I know full well where he's in Kent we know full well where he is we just don't know why he's not yeah, here we, we,
0: we know the general area we don't know whereabouts in Kent could he's, be anywhere. he's also uh,
2: trying to
3: maintain that there is no Wi-Fi connection in Kent which I don't know <laughs> I live down south for a little bit and I think he might be making it up a little bit. I don't know.
0: If there's any any of our listeners who live in Kent, uh, can you <laughs> let us know what your Wi-Fi connection is like. And if you reckon you'd be able to join in a Zoom call at short notice. Uh, now, so what we're going to try and do, this might not work, is we're going to try and continue this trial without a judge and we're going to try and come to some sort of democratic conclusion at the end of it (laughs) we'll see how well that goes revolutionize
3: the justice system we might do do
0: now uh, before we get started i think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this trial or what this film sorry is all about so let us spin the wheel of impressions Now here we read the synopsis of the film off in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week it has landed on Joel. So, how no, I I, I... We
1: shot ourselves in the foot a little bit doing Keanu, Keanu last week. Last week yeah. so, who no, no Keanu no. last week? I've,
3: I've, I've, I, I think I've got a good one. Peter Stormare.
1: I oh, was thinking yes. Stormare.
3: Yeah, that's. A good uh, uh, I, I I'd can't like to
1: remember that. like what he sounds like okay, though. That's just... it.
2: His accent's quite hard to place. Constantine.
3: Sort of a Scandinavian, weird, creepy
2: voice. Imagine if if Bronx and Scandinavia just yeah. kind of merged accents. With it. <laughs> I
0: mean, I think Alex has already got it. To be honest. Thanks.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> uh, just try and sound like Brucey normally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no. I literally just went to speak and Irish almost came out (laughs) Do it! Do it! (laughs) Whatever you hear when Peter Stormer speaks, mate, whatever you hear I always imagine Satan to be Irish Supernatural exorcist and demonologist John Constantine helps a police woman prove her sister's death was not a suicide Very nice Yeah,
0: that was was alright, man, well done How about Peter Stormer
3: you can do the Irish version later, yeah. I do want to hear that. <laughs>
0: there was a little bit that Steve to me ha, please, woman. <laughs> uh, okay, now, um, yeah, without further hesitation, uh, allow us to kick off proceedings. So you know, why don't we start, as per usual, with the defence. So Joel and Alex, tell us a little bit about this film and why you like it.
1: Tell us what to do. <laughs> you put you in charge. You're not the George. <laughs> oh, I can see. I, I can see where we need George. And... <laughs> I can see where we need. Right. Judge. So um, you know, th- this is a film based on a DC comic. Uh, obviously, Constantine is is the title character of that. This film is a little bit different. I think they kind of went with the with the DC thing of making it darker. You know, I haven't read the comic, but I believe the character of Constantine is a lot more kind of. Um, upbeat and it's got a bit of comedy and stuff in there this isn't that this is a much more darker kind of typical dc film it's a film about demons and angels essentially uh john constantine is obviously like an he's basically a an exorcist but he he has ability to um speak to demons and speak to angels and he kind of acts as um almost like a peacekeeper Uh, in the land of the living. Uh, So this is a film essentially about Constantine trying to keep that peace. There's like kind of double crosses, angels trying to get uh, shit kicking off on Earth, Um, the angel Gabriel. Uh, Then we've got uh, demons like kind of coming after Constantine, breaking the truce. Uh, So it is, as I say, based on a comic book, but unless you knew about it beforehand I don't think you would realize that it's not very comic booky overall and I think you know it's definitely a unique watch especially when you read like the synopsis you think it's kind of going to be like your typical uh you know exorcism film and it's definitely not that it's it's got a unique kind of twist and feel to it and I think you know story-wise it's very easy to follow as well so I think for a first-time viewer you know without knowing much about the subject or about Constantine and I didn't when I saw this you know it's very easily accessible for most people wouldn't you agree Brucey
3: I would agree with everything you just said <laughs> you, who would disagree
2: I I, I might disagree. we're gonna find out now
3: go on and Dave <laughs>
2: Okay, well, um, yeah, I don't know who I'm supposed to be pitching this to here. <laughs> it's kind <of> a <laughs> Me and Joel, moment. it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, like, and, it's a bit, a bit weird, but uh, we'll, we'll do our best. Um, so, yeah, I disagree with a lot of what Joel was saying. I think the comic books of Constantine are actually a bit darker. They were, well, they're more violent. I agree the humor was taken out of this. This is a very humorless, dreary adaptation of Constantine, uh, but that doesn't necessarily make it darker. I think the comic books are much more violent, and one of the things the director admitted held this film back on what he would have considered to be a bigger success was the fact that he was kind of stuck in this PG-13 sort of limbo. And he would much rather, I think, uh, if he brought Constantine to the big screen on his own terms, have made it R-rated. And I think that's what the fans would have wanted as well. I mean, Alan Moore created the same guy who created Watchmen. Um, and he wanted his name removed from the project. One because he didn't solely create Constantine. He didn't think the other writers were going to get any credit anyway. But also because he'd been burned so many times by Hollywood adaptations of his comic books, and he was not enamoured with this one either. This it fell short considerably. I mean, some adaptations, you know, they, you have to change certain bits and pieces of them. Um, in this one they amalgamated characters, a uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince's character um, it was kind of an amalgamation of three different characters who kind of get killed by demons because of their close proximity to, to John Constantine. I get that sort of adaptation but I don't understand um, changing the characters such as Constantine stop me if I'm wrong, he's meant to be Liverpudlian isn't he he's, he's, yeah. he's a scouser John Constantine Yeah. Um, he's a blonde scouser isn't he yeah kind of based on, was it Sting was the model I believe when they were Drawing yep. up the character, yeah. They based the wrestler on Sting. Sting. <laughs> yeah, the wrestler Sting. That would have been good. No, it but, started
0: um, off, the, the graphic novel is the singer Sting and then the film adaptation. That when they had, oh, it's based on Sting, they based him on the wrestler. <laughs> that, that, that is not true, but it sounds like it definitely could be.
2: <laughs> it sounds like it could be. It works, doesn't it? So they changed the character's background. I don't know whether they thought that would have more appeal with uh, the American audience. But I think um, in doing so, they've kind of betrayed the comic book's roots and the fans, whether they be American or not, I think would much rather have seen a faithful adaptation and a faithful uh, bringing to life of this character that they followed since since the late 80s when his comics first came out. So I think, yeah, this was um, a bit of a, a misjudgment. They, they made it PG-13, possibly because they were afraid of scaring off uh, what they can perceive to be their target audience of, I guess, teenagers. But at the same time, they they weren't true to what the fans would have wanted from this adaptation. So I think they let themselves down on a number of fronts.
3: I'm going to jump in there and say, I don't think that matters. I'm going to say, like, if we're talking about Batman and Superman, fair enough. I'd say that's got a big following and fans maybe, you know, that, that matters as much. This is John Constantine. And really, I don't think they it just doesn't have anywhere near the same amount of fans and, and like especially I think the people who like John Constantine comics are more sort of like they've already got into comics you know what I mean no one's just likes the John Constantine you probably read the Batman and Superman you got into it that way okay so when you're saying you're not annoying fans it's not quite as big I don't think as as say other comic book adaptations I don't mind it not being a faithful comic book adaptation you know I, I, this is back in 2005 isn't it when you know, now when we talk about comic book adaptations, it's like we're talking about the original Sanskrit manuscripts of the Bible. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just a comic. Do you know what I mean? It's not that big a deal. And I like what they did <laughs> with it. Does that offend
1: so many people? <laughs> yeah, well, do you know what I mean?
3: Be offended. It's just a comic. You know, I'm not saying it's not, I'm saying, you know, yeah, they're great things, but let's not, let's not stick to it like, you know, it, it is literally holy. I like the what they've changed it to and I understand why they did it. I think if you looked at the comic it works as a comic. I think if you got a blonde liverpudlian fighting demons on screen, people would have too many questions and he wouldn't be able to get into it, you know. Keanu Reeves is a really good character actor to have in it. He's going to bankable, people are going to go and watch it. After the Matrix, you know, people are going to, you know, people are going to go and see it. And what I really like about the adaptation is they made it quite noir. So this is almost like a Philip Marlowe sort of Humphrey Bogart character who's doing a mystery. You know, so it's not the same. It's not like fighting. There's not actually a lot of explosions in it. And there's not a lot of big demons exploding and stuff like that until right at the end. It's actually more of a mystery where they're sort of sorting things through that involves the really interesting play between heaven and hell. So, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with David. It's not a faithful comic, comic, comic adaptation. I'm saying it doesn't matter. And what they did instead, this sort of noir L.A. thing was far more interesting. So I'm glad they did change it.
0: Thank you very much for that, Alex. I uh, would like to disagree with everything that you said there.
1: <laughs> I think everybody just needs to stop disagreeing with each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need, to, I, I think... we need more. Let's just agree more, Gav. <laughs> but I,
0: I'm doing it very politely, you know. You are, you are. I, I, um, I, 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 would, I would disagree massively. I would say that um, it needs to be more faithful to the comic because at the end of the day, who is this film for if it's not for the original comic book fans or it's not for comic book fans in general? I mean, who who is the audience here? Uh, I mean, well, I, I'll kind of back up a lot of the things what Dave was saying. This film was in development hell for years. It started development in 1997. You know, it went through two directors, including Tarsem Singh, and a couple of lead actors, including Nicolas Cage. And um, my main criticism is that, like, in all that time, they never really established what this film was really going to be about. You know, it was written by Kevin Broadbent and Frank Capello, whose biggest credits up until that point had been the shite Steven Seagal action film, The Glimmer Man, and the arse awful Hulk Hogan film, Suburban
3: Commando. Respectively, by the
0: way.
1: Whoa, I mean, whoa—that is the first time I've been
0: great.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, and you <laughs> love.
0: We film. all know Santa with Muscles is much better than Suburban Commander. <laughs> now, but as as Dave said, Alan Moore—he didn't want anything to do with it. Maybe it might have something to do with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. But it, it didn't help that the producers also changed the name. It's true in Alan Moore's you,
3: words. Don't you? Don't League of Extraordinary don't Gentlemen. Don't go there, don't
0: especially go Sean there. Connery. It <laughs> <laughs> was awful. No, no, but it didn't help that the producers actually wanted to change the name from the original Hellblazer, which is what the comic or graphic novels called, because it was supposedly too similar to the recently released Hellboy. You know, as Joel said before, you know they they kept. The dark elements of the graphic novel, but they left all of the humor out, all of the levity, and, and because of that, it does have this big identity crisis. Alex, you said that for the majority of it, it's a mystery. But is it though? Because it has some really like horrific elements to it. Like it starts with an exorcism, which is quite horrific, I'm, you know. And then I'm not, throughout... saying, I'm not
3: saying it's an actual la. I'm, I'm saying it's a it's a crossover between the la noir sort of sorting out, getting you know, getting clues about what's going on with the exorcist sort of element to it as well
0: yeah but i think they focused too much on the wrong aspect of it you know at the end of the day this guy is a demon hunter you know at warlock essentially and all of that was left out to have this sort of tame generic noir, noir story sorry you know it, it just it didn't know what it wanted to be for large parts of the film is it mystery is it action horror fantasy comic book you know it just didn't know uh, as you said before, Dave, the director and the producers massively disagreed on who the audience actually is. And the director wanted it to be an R-rated film. The producers ends up changing it to PG-13. And after they watched the finished cut, they thought it was too dark, so they tried to bring some humor in at the end. And one of the ways that they did that was to bring in the composer Klaus Badelt, or Badelt, sorry, um, who was brought in to try and enhance comedic aspects of the film. By music, which I don't think worked at all, really. But the thing is, is that because of all this tinkering, we really lost the idea of who John Constantine actually was or is. So the comic book fans, you know, essentially would have been turned off right away. And then the people that it's trying to appeal to, they would have seen it as sort of like a discount Neo from The Matrix, because essentially that's what it is. They've lost all identity of the character, and then they've come up with this generic noir film led by Neo from The Matrix.
1: Maybe it's a prequel to The the Matrix. Maybe it is. Maybe it's one Um, of his
0: dreams he was having while he was plugged in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the audience thing, you know, I don't think it matters. I'm with Alex because I watched this film not knowing about the comic at that, you know, kind of point in my life. I remember seeing it at the cinema when it came out you know, I had more important things going on than, than comics, probably drinking. And... What happened? What, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Getting drunk. Underage. Is that what happened to us? Just
3: all the important things stopped? <laughs> yeah. We've just we've just been making up time. Exactly. Like, this podcast. <laughs> like... So, so uh,
1: anyway, back to my original point. Oh, God. Um, oh, God. You know, I, I didn't know much about, about Constantine the comic. If anything, and I really enjoyed this so much so that I wanted to find out more about it. And again, you know, to an extent, when the TV show came out called Constantine, like I actually wanted to watch it because this film kind of put me onto that path, you know, of being interested in all the lore. And I just found it all really interesting. And another kind of point that I'd like to make is the story. in this is is actually really good. I think it's not predictable know by any stretch of the imagination where you can say some superhero films are or some some comic book films are you know they always have that same uh you know formula almost uh, but this is completely different especially you know at the end when when Constantine kind of uh slits his wrist so that he can go to hell and then he kind of you know sacrifices himself in hell uh, to free um what's Rachel name? Weiss. Rachel vice yeah, uh um. Angela. Angela, Angela. that's the one. Uh, And in doing so, obviously, he's sacrificed himself and becomes, you know, a a good guy, essentially. And so he can't stay in hell. So I thought that was really kind of quite clever. Um, You know, I I certainly didn't see it kind of happening. I also find it really interesting, you know, the the take on Gabriel and Lucifer and um, this whole kind of battle, really, that's happening almost behind people's eyes. Um, so I think overall, it's a, it's a really interesting a really interesting story. And like I say, for for the people that weren't aware of the comic, whether it's faithful or not, it doesn't matter because it it pushes them into finding more about it essentially. So shove that up here. Your...
0: Exorcism pipe. Well, I mean, I was just going to say how civil we've all been, but, you know, completely just <laughs> There's it right no down. need to
3: be talking about exorcism
0: pipes. Exorcism pipe? Well, it exorcism pipe.
2: <laughs> so, put your smoke on you don't own exorcism. <laughs> classified by the vatican <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, now, now joel kind of i think has swiftly brought us on to the character of john mm-hmm. constantine himself there so if it's okay with everyone i'd like to go into a little bit more detail about the character in this film if that's okay mm-hmm.
3: go for yeah, i'd ready. like you to i'd actually i'd love to hear what you've got to say Gavin.
0: thank you very much alex thank you uh now i think the character of john constantine is, is similar to what i was saying before about the actual film it's been taken a bit too far away from the original character and it's more to accommodate Keanu Reeves. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I'd change everything about this podcast, including canning all of you. (laughs) If it meant that we got Keanu Reeves on board. (laughs) But here, I think the character suffers quite a a lot because of it. Now, as we've kind of alluded to before, the original character is a blonde-haired, nihilistic, wisecracking, liverpuddling based in London who looks like Sting. Whereas... This character was changed uh, to accommodate Keanu Reeves to a black-haired, despondent Los Angelian based in Los Angeles, who looks a lot like Neo from The Matrix. Uh, now, it's not just the changes made to accommodate Reeves that head the character. In the graphic novel, he does a lot of really like, morally questionable things, which are arguably for the greater good. He's a bit of a dick. You know, he's, he's not a very good friend. Yeah, as Dave mentioned before, he essentially sacrifices several of his friends. Now, knowing him would put you in crosshairs or get you killed. Um, in this, he's more by the book, apart from when he takes his friend's necklace or he jumps ahead of Angela in a queue. Apart from that, he's quite a nice person. You know, the original is damned to hell for a multitude of reasons, including, as I said before, sacrificing friends to get victories, selling his soul to three different demons, causing an innocent child's soul to go to hell, and many, many more reasons. In this, it's because he tried to kill himself when he was a child, uh, which I just find a bit odd, because it's not really explored in more detail, because at the end, Gabriel, so yeah, that's the big reveal is that Gabriel, the archangel Gabriel is actually working alongside Satan's son to try and bring Satan's son to earth so he can rule earth. Uh, Gabriel, uh, when she confronts John and she tells him all about the plan, she says one of her main issues is that God always forgives everyone all the time and you can do whatever you want just as long as you repent at the end. So the whole thing is flawed really because why can't John just repent for trying to kill himself? I don't know. Then he, ultima- he ultimately sacrifices himself at the end. He gives up cigarettes and then he starts being a classic cutty- cookie cutter hero. Uh, and, you know, that's just a massive misstep from the original character. It's also, I found, quite disappointing that they didn't go into any depth about his sexuality. You know, the character of John Constantine is quite famously a bi character, you know, that that's, uh, if, you know, I think, I don't know if he was the first by character, but he's definitely one of the most famous ones. But that wasn't explored at all in any detail. And I just think, you know, it's a little bit disappointing that they couldn't have even touched upon it a, a slight bit. And then the, the, my final thing is that the character is essentially uses a lot of magic uh you know he's, he's a warlock as i mentioned before and none of that w- was was explored at all as I said before it sacrificed all of the fantastical elements to just become a gen a generic noir film it was almost like they wanted to do the opposite of what hellboy did but you know what made hellboy such a you know a successful adaptation was that it leaned in to the graphic novel that it was based on whereas this it's in completely different direction he's using a lot of gadgets that I didn't even know what they were until reading later on. Like he he scares some shadow demons away by setting something on fire, which apparently is a bit of Moses's shroud, which isn't, you know, none of this is really explored. So, so yeah, that's my main problem is that it just kind of deviates a lot from the original character.
2: If I may just quickly about that, about Moses's shroud, there's that and a couple of other things. It's not that it's not explored. It was edited out. There was an explanation. They hacked chunks out of it. And that's why, a load of people. Yeah, I saw this on forums where people were like, so what was this about? Why was this there? And it was all bits of the film that were cut out. It was a very choppy editing job. So your explanations were filmed. They were just taken out in the editing room.
3: I don't think you really need need to know those explanations. I think they were taken out for a good reason, because they were probably quite boring and unnecessary, you know, when <laughs> they're explaining things over much. You, you, it's just, he, he, he lights his hand on fire and it's, wow, that's a really cool bit. Do you know what I mean? I don't think we need to go into the the, the ins and outs of it. Um, what do you call it? Uh, what, what they call sacred artifacts, you know, like the tooth of the saint. They have a special word for it in a church. I can't remember what the... Relics. Hmm. So he uses relics, right? Which I think is a very interesting way of using the magic. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a different way. It's not like he's just going like, I like a dabra. And, you know, it, <laughs> I like the way he's. it's about faith. You know, Gav's saying that the plot hole is about suicide and God being forgiven. I mean, take that up with the Vatican. Do you know what I mean? That is... <laughs> the, you know what I mean? That's the catechism. It's not really... John Constantine that can be to, to blame for that. Gav was saying that the suicide isn't explored. I mean suicide's a huge theme all the way through it. You know, her sister is the plot it's the main thing that's driving the plot is that she's committed suicide. And so they need to try and bring her out of hell. And and he, has did she commit suicide? It turns out she did, which well, she did. You know, so I think no, that is so sorry.
0: Ex- no, I meant I meant that his his suicide. Well, the, the reason that he can't get into heaven is because he committed suicide. Isn't yeah. really explored. That's what I was talking about. Sorry,
3: I know, but I'd say the theme of suicide is, and oh, yeah, as no, a way, is, a, yeah. as a way, his own suicide is sort of explored through that as well. The, the character of John Constantine, if it was too complicated, right? And I think if you were bringing in. Maybe it would have been nice to explore a little bit of the bisexuality. I think that would have been nice. 2005, so, you know, it would have been, it would have been quite a big ask for a film, a, a, a Hollywood film of that time to have done it. It, it should have, but it didn't. Um, I think if you'd made his character too complicated and you start looking at all of these things about him screwing his friends over and stuff like that, that would have made the plot too complicated. What you can fit in a lot of different gra- graphic novels, you can't do in a feature film, you know, especially when this feature film, like I said before, It's not the graphic novel. It's based on the graphic novel. It's taken that and it's adapted it. That is fine to do. You can adapt things. It's not like you have to make the comic. It's not the comic. Um, And the last thing I'd say is, um, you know, Gav started off by saying about John Constantine, you know, it's like he's a a neo that, you know, believes in God, you know? Actually, when you're watching this film now, I'm thinking that this is a pre-John Wick character, you know? This is a John Wick who's like, you know, he's action, he completely, he's got a suit on all the time, he's in control of himself, he's quiet. You know, Keanu Reeves is good for the character because he does that so well. You know, that's why he gets cast as Neo and he gets cast as John Wick. So I think when you're watching this film now, you're not thinking of Neo. I wasn't thinking about Neo then because the characters are so different. You're talking about angels and demons. So I would say no way off on that one. And it's definitely more John Wick is in your mind when you're watching it these days.
1: I think, we need to talk about some of the other characters as well That's you know Sh- Sh- Sheila Buff is in here as kind of uh, Constantine's driver and student i think he's called Chas isn't he um asshole. he's just, <laughs> okay. just kind of got like an interest in in you know trying to learn uh, Constantine's craft uh, we've got Rachel Weisz, who is um Angela she's kind of a, a police department Uh, detective uh, and it's her is it twin sister that that, that gets uh, well that commits suicide that kind of starts off the whole plot um then obviously we've got the tilda swinton as the archangel gabriel uh we've got um i i never i never want to say his name because i always nearly call him digimon Jaimon uh, Huntsu, Jaimon <laughs> Hunsu <laughs> as uh, as Papa Midnight, who's like a witch doctor who uh, kind of helps Constantine out. Uh, he's kind of like a neutral meeting ground, kind of in the same way uh, that we have like the Assassin Hotel in John Wick, um, and then obviously we've got uh, Balthazar in the film, Gavin Rossdale, and we've got uh, Peter Stomer as as Lucifer as well. So we've got quite a, quite a big kind of extended cast here as well. And I think, um, you know, for me, Sheila Buff, this was kind of earlier on in his acting career where he possibly got a little bit more work. Maybe, it, you know, it's his own choice that he doesn't take up so much these days, but um, he he was a lot younger then. And I think he, he works pretty well as kind of like a, uh, you know, a student. He, he comes across as really keen to learn and you do kind of feel a little bit gutted when, you know, he dies essentially. Uh, so the rest of the cast, I, I also thought were, you know, kind of speaking for themselves. Uh, especially kind of Gabriel and uh, Balthazar were really, really kind of interesting uh, characters, good performances. And you know, although a lot of them don't have massive parts, it's it's mostly about Constantine, uh, Angela, and 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 Chaz Kramer You know, the other ones are kind of bit parts, if you like. But I think they all kind of. Do the role very well especially especially the demons um you know considering the fact that they are demons but they're also essentially playing a, a human character it's not like you know it's not like satan out of south park um so I, I think overall the extended cast does does a really good job i don't think there's any kind of performances here that you point out and say they were terrible
2: no, I, I'll be honest with you. I can't disagree with that. I mean, let's face it, I'm not pandering to a judge here. I didn't think the performances were all that bad. I mean, I really rate Tilda Swinton and Rachel Weisz mm. to begin with. Peter Stormare, yeah, he can get a bit eccentric, but that's kind of what you hire Peter Stormare to do. And Jaimon Huntsu is a class act. And Gavin Rossdale, you know, I know him as the, as the lead singer of Bush, that, that grunge band that we had decades ago. Uh, he, he did a decent job. Even Shia LaBeouf did a decent job. I thought the performances <laughs> were fine. <laughs> what they no, just what? even even shia, even, shia <laughs> even, even the beef himself even the beef, okay. beef. now the performances are fine it's the characters that i just think fall a bit flat it's a very dreary setting you know like we said the humor has been taken out of this story and we're left with this very dreary l.a noir sort of sort of uh, thing with and that's fine but it just a bit of life from the characters might have saved it. It might have injected a bit of energy to it. As it is, we have a very low-energy Constantine. Uh, John Constantine, that is, the character himself. He's very low-energy, very morose. And to be honest with you, the man's been tormented by demons since early childhood. He's a chain smoker with, who's on borrowed time, and he's seen hell. I'd be pretty morose, too. I get mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. it doesn't make for a very affirming film. It doesn't draw you in. It doesn't keep you uh, entertained. Rachel Vice's character is similarly. She's, she's going through some stuff. I get it. But again, all these characters are quite low. They're quite low energy. The, it, it's somber. It, the whole tone throughout the film is somber and no character really lifts it. Even the most eccentric and flamboyant of them, Peter Stormer, when he finally turns up at the end of the film as Lucifer, even though he does bring a flamboyance that we haven't seen it's too little too late by that point. It's just been, it's a very monotone film in terms of performance. The performances are fine. I don't blame the cast. I just think the characters were very safely written and very two-dimensionally written. Appropriate, seeing as it was a comic book.
1: <laughs>
2: hey! hey. 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 Oh.
3: <laughs> if only a judge was say they'd have that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Austin doesn't really go for flair. <laughs> no, it's
3: true. <laughs> I... I I I really liked the characters. I really liked, especially almost the smaller characters. I thought Tilda Swinton, I love her in everything. I thought that she only has two scenes really. And I think they are stellar. I think that bit where she's explaining to John Constantine, you know, she says, you're going to die because you've smoked 20 cigarettes every day since you were 15 and you're going to go 30 cigarettes. Sorry, (laughs) Dave. And you're going to go to hell uh, because of a life you took. And she like leans in and just says, you're fucked. You know what I mean, and yet you know Dave's right. This is a somber film, but it's got to be. This is about this is a Catholic. You know, this is about Catholicism and heaven and hell. It's going to be a somber look at things. I also just just to say about just a quick one on Peter Stormare. I love that guy. He actually did. he, He brought his flair to the design of his own costume. Like they wanted to have Satan in like a a dog collar with studs on it and stuff like that. You know, like a proper sort of like sadomasochistic sort of, you know, gimp, basically, I think they were going for. Peter Stormare said himself, like, I want a white suit and I want tar on my feet. And he's such a good, such a good Satan, you know? And, you know, now when, to be honest, when you think of Satan in films, it's very hard not to think of Peter Stormare. You know, it's, I I think it's those little bit parts that really do bring a little bit of flamboyance to a film that has to be, through its own subject matter, quite sombre.
0: Well, so talking about the being too somber, like I wanted to speak a little bit about the direction, and I think that it is too somber. I, I think that it's just too po-faced and serious at some points when it just needed to be just a little bit light. It's, but you look at the success of the MCU films these um, these days, and even like the more successful DC films like Shazam. I think it's, Shazam is quite similar in like topic. Um, to to Constantine um, and but, I mean you know like the the fantastic because Ozzy's not
1: here to compare it to a really weird
0: film <laughs> you're have off to
3: take up the mantle I haven't seen Shazam who commits suicide in Shazam
0: <laughs> no, no I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about the more fantastical <laughs> elements of it okay but sorry. they managed to balance the film from serious <laughs> with comedy although you know that's a bit more comedic I think this this is just this needed some comedy or some light hearted parts you know it was just too much even if you look at hellboy which is what is the film that this film was trying to escape the shadow of it didn't want to be compared to hellboy so much that it changed the name i just feel like it could have learned a lot from hellboy because it had a good uh, time at like <laughs> balancing the fantasy elements making it quite dark but also filling it with some humor or some light aspects as well you know that this is it's just too dark all the time and you know the script itself you know it's just a bit they tried to cram too much into it. You know, the whole thing um, about... Th- so the reason that he's trying to protect Rachel Weiss is that a twin sister commits suicide at the beginning of the film. A twin sister is psychic. And then it turns out that uh, so is Angela, the, um, the detective. She's psychic as well. She's just been hiding it. And this is part of Satan's son's grand plan to get to Earth. He needs to possess the body of a psychic person um and that's why she was committing suicide in the first place but you don't find out all this until the end and it's just sort of like it's told in the very last sort of 15 minutes of the film and it's just all a little bit convoluted Uh, and it's it's just a little bit like i feel like they could have trimmed some of the story or maybe borrowed some of the story from the book because all that section i have just spoken about this is that was original So this is something that the writers have come up for this film. And I just think it just didn't work that well. I think they could have had more success if they would have borrowed actual um, stories from the original graphic novel. With regards to the direction, I think it was a bit too heavy on the old CGI, which might have been okay in 2005 when it was released. But fast forward 15 years when CGI has advanced so much it does look very dated in some scenes. Um, I read afterwards that they'd hired three-time Academy Award-winning makeup artist, um, Fee, Neil, and the entire Stan Winston crew to work on makeup and special effects for the film. So it was really disappointing to see that there was just that much CGI in it. You know, Apparently, the Stan Winston crew made a giant, uh, mecha- these giant mechanical wings for Gabriel, which were then completely CGI'd over in post-production. And there was also, they were in the process of creating a a vermin man mask and suit. So like essentially a man made out of uh, rats or bugs, but the decision was then made to make it completely uh, CGI. So it was like, well, why get this, you know, state of the art world renowned special effects crew in to do special effects on your film and then just fill it with CGI. So yeah, it's, I I also think as well, that this is the first proper project for the director and i think it was just a bit too much for them to handle i think um, francis lawrence uh, i think the main thing that he'd done before this was the music video to Crimea river by um uh, justin timberlake and this is his first major film and i just don't think he had the experience to tackle it so yeah
2: yeah um I, I I would again. What do we do now. <laughs> if you say I, I disagree, I would disagree respectfully. <laughs> uh,
3: look, you know, the CGI. I, I you know I, I I don't know. It's I think it's quite good for two thousand and five. To be honest, I I quite enjoyed it. I I thought it was pretty good. I think the direction in this is very interesting. Again, it's not a comic book film. It's different, you know, this isn't... I feel like you really wanted to be a comic book film and you just had to get over it at some point when you were watching it, you know? didn't want to get over it. (laughs) Uh, This is the film to go... If you want to see Heaven and Hell, and especially that scene where he goes to Hell, this is the film to go and see it. uh, Heaven and Hell really haven't been depicted that much in films, particularly, and especially not using CGI. And so I think the use of CGI was very good to show that side. Of heaven and hell, and I thought it was really interesting. So I think when you are when you want to watch a film that's sort of about, you know, the old school, Old Testament Catholic hell against heaven, then Constantine's the film to go and see. And it's because the direction's so well done. I think the way they do LA, the sort of the, the filters they put on the on the cameras to show the to show the life there. I, I think the direction's really really well done. And I think the, the action sequence, which is done really well at the end. And it's, it's quite, it's not like you see, yeah, it's not an action-heavy film, okay? So there's gav's going on about the CGI, but there's not that many instances where you need CGI because there's not that much action. Uh, when it comes to right at the very end, when you do have the action, it's quite impactful because it's been, you know, you haven't, you haven't been oversaturated with it. And it's very well directed for an action scene that sort of comes out of nowhere, not comes out of nowhere, but you know what I mean? Hasn't been done all the way through the film, when you get that right at the end it's it's got a huge impact.
1: I also had no problem with the CGI. You know, this isn't insidious. It's not like where they just put a smoke machine on and say it's hell, you know, this is, you know, they need CGI to properly kind of landscape hell uh, as kind of what you'd imagine it and the demons also it's not just people with makeup on, they're actually, you know, CGI demons type of thing. So, I, I thought it was decent. Um, you know the CGI, especially when I was watching it at the time. I, I don't remember having any complaints. Uh, so overall, I think this is a very interesting watch. I think it's unique, and I still think it is unique today, even with the amount of films that have kind of followed this one. Um, so whether you enjoy this type of thing or not, as I say, I don't think you'll be getting films like this made too often. And I certainly hope that they do revisit the character, whether whether it's With Keanu Reeves or not, Um, so I just hope that the judge today puts it on the right list. (laughs) Speaking to the judge myself, I think.
3: Do you know what? Aussie actually just texted me. I I gave him a quick rundown, and he said
1: it's a hit. (laughs) So there we go. Screenshot it. Bit anticlimactic, but there we go. (laughs) Right. Well, I'll move into to the quiz and fairly obvious one today. It's actually about not just Keanu Reeves, but his films. So it's not. Uh, you know, on his life or anything like that. Although I was tempted, because let's be honest, we Can all. We not him.
0: have it on life. I feel like I know quite a lot about him. <laughs>
1: he
0: was uh, uh, taekwondo yeah. when he was six. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so, question one. Uh, so, in the Matrix, obviously, Neo. His name is Mr. Anderson, but what's his first name? Bat. who's John? It? No. That's that's Constantine. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ne-
0: Neo. It's not ne- Neo Anderson. Neil Anderson.
1: Neil Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody, Dave? Des. Um, it's it's Thomas Thomas Anderson. Oh, I was no. never going to get to. Oh, okay, so one of the um, biggest box office bombs of all time was was Forty Seven Ronin. So hmm. to the nearest. You know, a few million. How much do you think that it lost? <laughs> how much? The nearest minus million.
3: <laughs> um, it's a big budget. I've watched it. It's awful. Uh, uh, I'm going to say minus forty. Minus 40. I'm
2: going to say minus a hundred. I'm going to say minus fifty-seven million.
1: Minus fifty-seven. Gav was only three million off. Ninety-seven million it lost. Wow. <laughs>
0: I thought you were Mouse. going to say, to the nearest Ronan, how many Ronan featuring. in the film? <laughs> <laughs> you may be surprised. <laughs>
1: okay, so question three. What type of dog does John Wick have? I'm not talking about the dog that um, is killed at the start of the film. You know, he, he but, finds the other dog, Dave. It's a Staffy, isn't it? Uh, I'll give you it a Pitbull. Similar <laughs> breed. Um, okay, so question four. What is the name of the bank robbery gang in Point Break? Oh, oh! The, I was going to say, I was, going to, I was the, going to say, I was going to
3: say, the sticky hand bandits. But <laughs> <laughs> is
2: it the ex-presidents or something? It you know? is the ex-presidents. Yeah, well I, was,
1: the,
3: I think the sticky hand bandits is a
0: different <laughs> build, To be honest, <laughs> like the of Bone Alone.
1: <laughs> okay, so uh, what Bible reference gets written on the wall in Constantine?
0: Oh, I'll,
1: I'll let you have it if you just remember the book.
0: Is it? Oh, it's uh, Corinthians. Yeah, 17 um, Corinthians. So Eleven,
1: Corinthians... seventeen, or something. Oh, oh so. very close. Corinthians seventeen one, which uh, oh. doesn't exist. It's only in the Bible of Hell or some shit, isn't it? So, uh, um, so what actress connects Bram Stoker's Dracula with Keanu and the Matrix? You <laughs> keep
0: on saying Bram Stoker. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's the porno. Bram Stoker <laughs> um, with
1: uh, with what Keanu and
0: the Matrix?
3: Yeah. Um... Carrie Ann
1: Moss? Bruce, I'll give you a clue. It's Batgate. Oh, Monica Bellucci. <laughs> Monica Bellucci. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so oh, yeah. que- question seven. I think you'll I get stand this by one. Bapgate. I'm by I'm not ashamed <laughs> of Batgate, by the <that laughs> way. You should be. Think, uh, you'll get this one easy, Gav, seeing you, your most recently watched list on Amazon. Where do Bill and Ted live?
0: Oh, uh, San Dimas.
1: San Dimas, California. Oh, um, so, question eight. What have Tiger... you been looking at my watch list for? <laughs> <laughs> you told me. So oh, yeah. Tiger Hu Chen worked with Keanu on The Matrix and what other film that Keanu were directed? The Keanu directed. directed? Yeah, or produced. I think it was directed though. Yeah, it was directed. I didn't know he directed.
3: Um...
1: It was, I think, mm. 2013, the film. It wasn't like a massive film, but I have seen it so 47 it's man of tai chi uh, uh, so question 9 uh what team does Keanu play for in the replacements i don't i
0: don't even know that no yeah i don't even know that film to
2: be honest i don't know that film but what sport is it
1: oh okay um <laughs> it's american football is it a real team Packers. no so I honestly thought all of you would have seen it, but you've surprised me. Eh? Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> Did you it's say the o- Meat Packers? <laughs> <laughs> the Meat Packers is correct, whoever said that. <laughs> it's Ohio State. Oh. And then we've got question 10, and then as usual, we've got question 11 and winner takes all. Oh, brilliant. Um, so, question 10 Who does Keanu voice in Toy Story 4? Uh,
0: Duke Kaboom.
1: Yep, Duke Kaboom <laughs> is correct. And then question 11, which one of Keanu's films grossed highest at the box office? I'm going to say Matrix Reloaded, and it shouldn't have.
0: Uh, Are we we talking about Adjusted for Inflation?
1: Adjusted for Inflation, yeah.
0: I'm going to say John Wick 3.
1: I'm going to say
2: Toy Story 4. Oh,
1: shit, yeah. Yeah, it's Toy Story Four. But well done, Tiff. <laughs> it, uh, the film that he was actually in was The Matrix Reloaded Brucey. So technically, you're right. So we'll just say everyone won apart from Gab. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, all right. So what should we do? Should we just we should we just cast our votes for hit or shit? As yeah, I guess we just say what, do we, actually, what,
1: what do we we really think, think, right? Yeah. Well, I was. Uh, I'm going to start because I want to. Um, but I, I honestly was quite honest I quite enjoyed the film I know it's not perfect um, I did see it at the time at the cinema and it did inspire me to kind of find out more about the character in the comic um, I think it's a very kind of unique take on the film uh, sorry on on the character um, and yeah you know I enjoyed it I enjoyed rewatching it for this podcast it's not like a film that I've watched a ton of times um but i do think it's it's a kind of very gritty stylistic film and you know as i say it's not perfect but i think most people will enjoy it to be honest so i think it's it should go on the hit list i'm
3: gonna i'm gonna agree i i i meant what i said i mean i watched it a few weeks ago and i think that's why we put it on the podcast because i watched it and we were like oh that's a good one like I, I just like watching it. I've watched it sort of fairly regularly every few years. I really like the, the sort of a law of you know heaven and hell. I find it quite interesting, and just the added spice of knowing Tilda Swinton and Peter Stormare in. I, I, I really like it. And also, just my main thing is I don't. Did the comic book thing just doesn't bother me? I like it. I like the way it's adapted it and made it different. I genuinely, really don't think people. There would be a very small subcore of comic book fans that would have been bothered by this, but you wouldn't have streams of people coming out saying that wasn't like the Constantine. I don't think many people would have read the comics and I think it would have worked the other way. More people would have read the Constantine comics because of watching this film. I don't think films should be worried about not making a carbon copy of a comic.
1: I love the way you kind of made that up as you went along.
2: (laughs) Uh, Dave, Uh, I'm kind of indifferent to the film, to be honest with you. It's, it's seriously flawed. I mean, I went to see it at the cinema and that was enough for me. I probably wouldn't have watched it again if I hadn't been for this podcast. It's, it's okay. Uh, I mean, what I say, the performances are, are decent. Production values are good. Um, it's a bit thin on the plot. It gets a bit confusing. The editing wasn't very good. It's, it's a bit of a trade off. Like I say, I pretty much end up neutral on this one. So I'm not really bothered either way, truth be told. Uh, <laughs> this is a very neutral film for me. It's it's very blah. Uh, thank
0: you very much, Dave. I loved this film when it first came out so much so that I went and bought a long black jacket and started smoking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm revisiting it. I don't think it was as good as I remembered. Um, yeah, I, I, can, I, def- I definitely agree with Dave that there was there was a bit of a trade-off that happened there with regards to uh, how faithful stay to the graphic novel. And, you know, it ends up just becoming a bit jumbly. Yeah, yeah I, I do agree with what I said about a bit of an identity crisis. Um, I was stretching the truth a little bit on some of the things that I said. You know, I don't think the direction's that bad. And the CGI isn't as bad as I thought it'd be. There are still some elements that don't stand up. But overall, yeah, I think... It was yeah, it was it was good. It just wasn't great. So yeah, I think with all those tallied up, Ow. it's just about edging onto the shit list. What do you think, guys? Hang on,
1: what? What? So are you we've got about? Two, we've got two straight <laughs> hit lists. Dave said he's indifferent, and you said it's it's good. You liked it, but it you're not sure, it. sure it's about. It. It. It's yeah. definitely going on the hit list. Isn't no, yeah, it? no. But got
0: two
3: people is, who are oh, yes. Yeah, but the
0: thing and is, you is, two it,
3: are like whatever. The thing is, is
0: I'm so petty. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, it's on the shit list. Sorry, guys. What? That
1: is the biggest.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You have just taken any last semblance of me thinking that this is an actual podcast trying to... (laughs) trying to even, do a public service
2: I've technically and, won and even I think that's a bit harsh uh, I'm
3: joking
0: it's on the hit list it's on the hit list well done everybody
1: I was going to edit this whole thing out to be honest I was going to use you know the Microsoft Sam computer voice again.
0: <laughs> okay so would, yeah yeah, we've, we've, got, uh, we've got everybody's honest opinion so we don't have to uh, piss about with that <laughs> I will say
2: though if I may uh, Roger Ebert considered this one of his most hated films yeah he did I thought he that really would... hated it No, it's mad that isn't it yeah, I don't um, that bad. Like I say, it's nothing, nothing to hate.
3: Roger Ebert is a bit... Do you know what I mean? Or He was a bit sort of like hit and miss, wasn't he? I wouldn't say he was a stable film critic. He sort of got,
1: <laughs> got a lot... Stable <laughs> film critic.
2: You know what I mean, though? I wouldn't trust him massively. You'd, you'd just he does get was, a lot wrong. He was certainly the most eloquent, though. When he was right, boy, howdy, he was right. <laughs> Uh, (laughs)
0: Thanks, Dave. Boy, howdy. (laughs) howdy,
2: I am going to use
3: that tomorrow,
0: Dave. (laughs) um, Okay, so uh, higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Always Be My Maybe, which scored 89% on Rotten Tomatoes.
3: Maybe less than that, I'd say. Uh,
1: I always ask this because I forget, but do we go off user score or critic score?
0: Uh, Critic score, uh, well, and user. It's the certified
1: fresh thing, isn't it? Yeah, oh, so very fresh. Um, I'm going to go for lower.
2: Dave, I'm going to say about fifty percent. I reckon there's a lot of trading off going on.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's uh, around about fifty percent. It's forty six percent. yeah, much lower. Um, I did put a poll up on Twitter and asked our friends and followers which list it should be placed on. And that was actually 50%. 50% really? hit and 50% shit. I so it it Constantine
2: is just a film about a trade-off. I'm going to stick with that. Uh, like, it just it just neutralizes itself.
0: Uh, Joel, I've done a caption contest this week. So what's this all about?
1: Uh, it's where you find the first picture available that you can of the film. Uh, you put it on Twitter and just write a really kind of half-assed post. <laughs> on the false pretenses of winning a Freddo. Normally, you just send them a photocopy of a picture.
0: <laughs> of a <Freddo>.
1: That's it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, okay, so the picture is um, uh, the, the bath scene where Constantine is uh, submerging uh, Angela und- in the bath. I actually she thought you said
1: the bap scene then. I was like, what well, <laughs> bath a bap scene in
0: Constantine. There were baps involved, but um, <laughs> the, they're in the bath. Um, so, yeah, and Angela's just... Uh, Springing out of the bath, and it looks like Constantine is falling back because of the force of it. Okay, so you guys just got to pick the funniest, starting with number one, and that's how 2020 ended. Yeah. Uh, number two, just checking to see how your bath is going. Don't sneak up on me like that. Uh, number three, those lush bath bombs just take the piss. <laughs> and the next one is uh, send me a link so I can share it with my followers. I think that's a genuine request.
2: So,
1: well, <laughs> <laughs> got I'm biggest... going to go for Send me a link so I can it with my followers. Just fits the fits the scene really yeah, well. Send
2: them no link, just a Freddo
1: <laughs>
0: Go on, guys. switch
2: one? Uh, lush Bath
1: Bomb for me. Lush Bath Bomb for me, yeah. I'm going to go bomb. for
0: 20 Doesn't matter 20. because majority rule.
1: Was that Oh, does Fletcher? majority rule now? Does yeah, it, does Cal? majority rule, yeah. <laughs> it, does, it ends up on and the hit list, two, didn't two. it?
3: um, uh,
0: yeah so congratulations to our long uh, follower Craig Harris you've just won yourself a flippity Freddo (laughs) right okay so uh, the next film has not been picked out of the hat at random because at the beginning of next month it is uh, Halloween Horror Month again isn't it
1: I think it's so, probably yeah. you know time you got some new sound effects for Halloween Horror Month. Well, don't no worry,
0: because I've got the old... I'm, I'm, I'm uh, bringing back the old retired Halloween horror soundtrack. Oh. So, yeah, you guys are in for a treat.
3: I, I will chip in for a new app if you want. No. I'm sure everyone will. <laughs> no, I don't want... Uh, okay, so, yeah, five Mondays
0: in, in October, five different horror films, each one of them chosen by us. We're going to pick sort of... Uh, I don't know, uh, films that we think are decent, but everybody might think aren't, essentially. So, I think
1: probably it's going to be four horror films and then, you know, a kid's film from so. Aussie. <laughs> no, I think it's
0: going to be three horror films from you guys, a kid's film from Aussie, and then it's just some unquestionable shite from me. <laughs> okay, so uh, first up is going to be Joel, and Joel has picked what? What have you picked, Joel?
1: I've picked Crimson Peak. Because yeah. it's um, just one of those films that have spoke to people about it and they've said, you know, I hate it. Then you ask somebody else and they say, oh, I love it. So I think it's just a really polarizing film. Um, and yeah, I, I watched it. I quite enjoyed it. So I thought it would be a good one to do rather than just pick, you know, something easy or something incredibly shit like you normally do so. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, I'm glad that you've changed track because usually what you do is you pick like an iconic horror film and you say, I don't know about this, oh,
3: this one, crap, guys. Hey, me, I don't uh, know about uh, The Exorcist. What do you think? Dave, <laughs> Dave do, you, do you want to just leave them to this? And just let them yeah, them? I'll, yeah, I'll so. just Yeah, <laughs> that one. There'll be another half hour of this little sniping going on.
0: <laughs> okay, so as Joel has picked the film, he's going to be defending it. He's going to be defending it alongside Captain Dave. And in prosecution, it's going to be Alex and Ozzy And that means that I am going to be the judge. So, yeah, just want to thank everybody who's listened to this episode. If you liked the episode, please remember, like, share, subscribe. And why not leave us a lovely five-star review on Apple Podcasts? Just spread the warm love that is Films on Trial in as many years as possible. And check us out on all social media, at Film Trials on Twitter and Films on Trial on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. So, that's it. Uh, what, what the hell have we just done? Constantine <laughs> is a it's a, that's it's more a damning <laughs> than the entire. it's a means, shit you might <laughs> think it's, it's a, a, God, that, think it's that a judge. hit but it's a shit uh, and that, that's it guys we'll be in your ears next week with Crimson Peak goodbye